Thank you so much for tuning in to our church podcast. You can go to atarapentecost.com for questions about services and how to donate. We pray that you are blessed by this message today. God bless. You know him. Brother Colton, come on down. all of a sudden they don't do that in the youth class they don't they're like oh here we go colton so that's that's a nice change of pace um very thankful to be able to to teach and very honored to even get the opportunity what a great church we have wouldn't you agree amen i'm so blessed to be here great god no greater god than than the one we have right because there's no other god than the one we have that's a real God. You know, people make gods, but they're never going to surpass. They're never going to do anything close to what our God can do and what he's already done. And we have a really great pastor. He's not here. And I don't know if that means he trusts me or if he doesn't want to hear me. You know, he's like, oh, Colton. <coughs> so we will see him Sunday when I'm not teaching. So that's convenient, I think, a little bit. No, we are praying for him. So thankful to be here. We're going to take our text uh, from Luke, the Gospel of Luke, the Physician, uh, chapter 10, verses 25 through 29 is our portion. Uh, the youth group is going to be a little sick of what I'm going to talk about because we've been talking about it for a few weeks, like a few weeks, a few weeks, if they've been paying attention. If they're a typical youth, then this is going to be brand new to them. They've never heard it before in their life. They're like, is this even in the Bible? Because... Such was I when I was just a wee little youth. So starting at verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. This is Jesus. The lawyer's not Jesus. The lawyer's tempting Jesus, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So this portion, uh, when it says a certain lawyer, it's just a, someone who really knows Jewish law. Someone who really knows religious law, they're really big on this. Just groups who would just talk about the law all day long, which is very good. I love, you know, I'm a big law fan myself. I obey laws for the most part, especially the law of God. We really, you know, someone knows about a few parking tickets or something that I don't know about, but I love the law. Amen. But what they were doing here is they weren't just tempting him, they were testing him. They were, I like one version says they put Jesus on trial. There's people out there who want to put Jesus on trial. They do it, they've been doing it for a thousand years, they'll do it for as long as he tarries. And whenever it says tempt, a temptation is a test. It's a test on how you respond. So we get tested and tempted all the day long. It's just a test of how we're going to respond. And Jesus always has the right response. And he says to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? In verse 26, and the lawyer responds, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. We just sang that song, Lord, I give you my heart, right? That's part of it. In all thy soul. That's, that's the word souls even in that song. We're, someone's, uh, someone's linked up in the Lord right now. Uh, with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said, Jesus said unto them, thou hast answered right. Do this and thou shalt live. Do you want to live? I want to live. He's talking about live eternally. We want to live forever. In fact, everyone is going to live eternally one way or the other, just about where you're going to end up. Do you want to live eternally in Jesus? This is what we got to do. We got to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, all our strength, our neighbor, self, and he willing to justify himself because Jesus just kind of turned the question back around at the Lord, because that's what he does. 
Jesus is so much smarter than our adversaries, so much smarter than anyone who wants to test us. He'll just turn it right back. And so the lawyer, willing to justify himself, he's trying to get that last word in like a, like a teenager in their parents. I just want to get that last word. It's never going to go well in the way of the teenager because parents are so much smarter somehow. We don't even know it, but they're so much smarter. And he says, um, and who is my neighbor? Another test, and Jesus goes into a parable that I won't read the whole thing because I'm sure most of us know it's about the man going from Jerusalem to uh, Jericho, and while he's gone there, he's robbed, and he's stripped, and he's left for dead. A certain priest passes him by and does nothing. A certain Levite looks at him and still does nothing about it, but verse 33 says, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Say compassion. He had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, poured oil and wine to set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him, took care of him. And on the morrow, he departed and took two pence and gave him to the host and said, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Verse 36, Jesus asking the question to the lawyer, which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Who was the poor robbed man's neighbor. And the lawyer says, he that showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said, to him, said unto him, go and do thou likewise. You do the same. Amen. Let's pray real quick. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the moving of God that you've already been here. You're already in our worship and in, in our prayer requests. God, I ask that you're in our words, that we can settle deep in our hearts so we have a good lesson. Let us learn something. Bless me that I'm able to, to teach the word, just be able to speak truth today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Uh, find one or two neighbors. Find a neighbor real quick. Who's a neighbor? Do you have a neighbor? Anyone have a neighbor? And say, I love you, neighbor. And really mean it. I know. Sometimes we say, I love you, like, oh, really mean it this time. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Lowell, you may be seated if you're saying it. That was just a little exercise to demonstrate that we all have neighbors, whether we know it or not, whether we want to know it or not. In order to be a neighbor, you have to have a neighbor, right? And if you're supposed to love your neighbor as yourself, you have to have a neighbor to love, and we all have neighbors, and there's always a way to love, right? So, amen. Love, though, what, is, what does love even mean? Love's a broad term. It's uh, like, I love, uh, I love my parents. You know, people love the Seahawks. I'm a big fan. I love Tostino pizza rolls, but it's not the same love. I can't love pizza rolls the same way I love my parents because it's, uh, it's, it's not fair. It wouldn't be fair to the pizza, I mean, to my parents. No. Love is a very broad word. It's a very broad term. And, you know, the ancient Greek is which, what our Bible is originally written in, has different words for different meanings. They have, it's some, such a deeper version of, of even our language, of how we understand it. And there's four basic, or four main loves that, are, that you can find in ancient Greek. There's storge, which is like a familial love. There's phyla. Cooper, what's phyla? What's phyla love? Uh, that's all right. Don't worry. It's all right. We've only been talking about what? Yeah! Or that friend love, that friend or brotherly love. We've only been, good job, Mason. We've only been doing it for like three weeks. Like eventually it's going to sink in, right? Praise God. There's eros, which is romantic love. And then there's agape, which is that unconditional. C.S. Lewis calls it God love. God love. 
And that's the word that's used here. It's not just some Tostino pizza roll love. It's unconditional God love. A love worth dying for. A love that you have so much that you would die for. Because that's the same love. No greater love. Amen. Had a man than uh, one who would die for his friend. John 3.16 uses the same love. It says, God so loved agape, loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe on him shall not perish, have everlasting life. Unconditional love. And the problem is, for me, not a problem. It's just, you know, like, kind of like a situation arises of, like, I have to love my neighbor the way God loves me. And then, at the same time, I have to love God the same way God loves me. That's a tough ask. It feels like a tough ask. We're kind of going to go through everything that the lawyer answered. And this story, you can also find it in uh, Matthew 22, Mark 12. In our youth class, we do in Mark 12 just because... Um, just because it's the one that I felt that would be fun. But now we're doing Luke uh, 10, because uh, this has a great parable of, of loving your neighbor. So, all right, we got to love God. So should we just love God because why? First uh, John, John says, because he loved us first, right? First John 4.19 says, we love him because he first loved us. That's unconditional. No conditions, no terms applied. Before we even knew what a church was, before we even knew what the word love meant, he was already loving us. And that's, that's so unhuman, isn't it? It's so unhuman just to do something just because. And that's what it felt like God did. He loved us because, or we love him because he first loved us. Unconditional. No terms applied there. Just love him. And that's powerful. That's powerful. Because before I even form the words, like I can't really form words anyways, but before I can even try to form the words of, I love you, Jesus, he's like, I already did that, but thank you, I love you too, and God loves us. John 15, 13 says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Now, of course, we should love our neighbors, strangers, right, because that's what the Bible says, but why should we love strangers and neighbors and They've never done anything for us. I've, I've grown up in a few different houses, like, or we moved around a few different times, and we were neighborly, but we didn't do like the whole cookie thing just because, I don't know, we're not good at cookies, or we like eating cookies more than giving cookies. There's a thing there with like being neighborly, but we're supposed to love them and say, no, it's not, it's not biblical that you have to give your neighbors cookies. I'm not teaching that tonight. Oh, if you want to give me your neighbor a cookie, I will, I will gladly oblige. But what, it, what do we do to neighbors and strangers who have never done anything remotely nice for us? We love them the same way God loves us. Hey, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Try the cookie thing at your own risk is what we get from that parable. But we still got to love them even though they don't, they, want, they don't want nothing to do with cookies. That scares me a little bit to be their friend. But we love them anyways, right? <laughs> we pray, maybe pray for them even more because you got to. Amen. Amen. 
But, you know, uh, Brother Woods was actually getting into my notes a little bit when he was talking about love. John 13, 34, a new commandment. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. Wow, we got to love people like Jesus loves them. I know I've said that 20 times, but it's still got to sink into me sometimes. We got to love people like Jesus loves us. Jesus died for us. That's powerful. And he says, as I have loved you, that ye love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. It's not how we preach at them. It's not even what we wear or what we say. It's about how we live with them. We got to love them. We have to be surrounded by a bunch of people all the time. And do they even know that there's a God out there that loves them? We can show that by loving them, by loving them the way God loves them. So if we want to truly love God, we only, not only have to love him with all our heart, mind, strength, soul, we got to love our neighbor as, our, as ourselves. And the meaning of that is like what we get the, the golden rule, rule from, right? Do unto others what you would like to be done to you, or I'm butchering it a little bit. But, you know, you got to apply that to our church. If, if uh, you know, if I love someone enough, then I should be able to tell them that, hey, I need you to go to this church with me because the love of God's there and you need to be loved. I'm going to love you anyways, though, wherever you go. Because if I, didn't, if I didn't know about God, I would want someone to tell me about God. I want to do unto others as I would love for them to do unto me, right? Right? Amen. Did you have something, bro? That's, man, he loved us before we even loved him. He loved us even though we, he knew that we're doing some wrong things, some bad things, when we're messed up in the wrong situations, when we're not where we're supposed to be. Even if we know what we're supposed to be doing is wrong, he still loves us. There's no conditions on that. There's no, in this world, people fall out of favor all the time because they don't do the right thing or their version of the right thing, right? Because they said something and boom, they're canceled. They're stopped. They're not able to be involved in society anymore. God doesn't worry about that. He says, hey, I love you anyways. I love you so much that I want you back, and I'm going to keep on going after you with that love. And that's what our job is in the world, to be that love, that version of love to someone else. Even though God can reach anyone and everywhere, right? He can go anywhere, but we are his disciples. We are supposed to take this gospel forward out of the doors of this church, so let's talk about how to love God, right? Let's talk about love the Lord with all your heart. Someone say heart. Maybe do like this thing to help us remember hearts. Oh, man, y'all make such pretty hearts. If you want to do like the, the accurate one, it's like it looks like this apparently. It's about this size. But we're talking about the heart. We're going to use the cartoony heart because it's better. Um, the heart literally means the center of your life. The Greek, it's cardia, like cardio. If you ever do cardio workout, it gets like your, your blood pumping, your heart really going. But in the Bible and much of, of, of really theology of the entire world, even if you go to Greek philosophers, the heart, they really use it as the center of your life. The heart's everything. Without your heart, you don't live. And that's a, that's a fact, you know? If I didn't have a heart in me, like if it was just over there sitting in a, like a corner or something, I would not be standing here. Because the heart's very important. It's vital. 
it's the center of your life. It's the drum that you march to because it has a beat, and I like drums, so I had to throw that in there. So in the Bible, the heart is also the center of your spiritual life. Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus informs us that the heart is the in- indicator, right? The life is really the indicator of your heart. Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Your words really can tell you what's going on in someone's heart. My favorite visual of the heart is that vessel. Is that something that can be filled up and poured out? Uh, I believe David in Psalm 62, 8 says, Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. Uh, God is a refuge for us. Your heart is something that can be filled up with anything. With anything. I'm not talking like physically, like it's filled up with blood right now. Praise God, hopefully. But your spiritual heart can be filled up with anything. Your eye is the windows to your, to your heart, basically. So you fill up with all these inputs and stuff settles in your heart and it can mess with you. But that's why we got to get the word of God in our heart deep down within us. Because we can, it's, it's so crucial, so key. Uh, the writer of Psalm, the psalmist in Psalm 119 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I would like to submit to you that your heart is like your capacity to love. The heart's the storage tank that fuels your love. King Solomon even urges to write the law on the tables of his heart, inside, deep down within, because out of it flows the issues of life. He says, guard your heart, because out of it flows the issues of life. Your heart's so important. So when we love the Lord with all of our heart, with the entire capacity that we can love, we should love God. Now, we go to soul. Love uh, God with all your soul. In the youth class, we kind of did a whole this thing. Because like, so if you want to do this thing to, rec- to remember soul, like you're hugging yourself, you don't have to. I know none of you are doing it right now. That's fine. I want to do like a whole four-step process. We're cool. We don't need to dance in here. Praise God. Um, so love the Lord with all your soul. Soul is your life. John 15, 13, we read it when it says, no greater love that a man would give down his life. That word is soul. It's the same word. You can use them interchangeably. So when we say love him with all our soul, we are literally loving him with our entire life. What is our life doing? What does our life look like? Is it glorifying God? Is it showing that we love God? And it really ties hand in hand with heart. Uh, Proverbs 27, 19, this blew my mind the other day. In the King James, it says something different. Well, it says the same thing, just translated different. So I read it in the NIV, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. Whatever your life is doing, it's a direct indicator of what your heart's about. Whatever words you say, it's a direct indicator of what's going on in your heart. So how do we love God? Are we showing with our very life that we love him? It's just something I have to ask myself all the time. The condition of your soul is, is a result of the condition of your heart. Uh, Paul commends the, the Corinthian church, telling them that they are walking epistles, known and read of all men, with the word written on their hearts. It's written on their hearts, so they are literally walking advertisements. He goes on in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, says that we are ambassadors, representatives of Jesus. And how are they going to know that we're disciples? That we have love one for another and that we love God. So when we say, love the Lord with all your soul, we got to give our life to God. Now, with all your strength, with all your strength, I was going to do like a little flexing. I guess we're done with that, though. That's fine. We're okay. We're moving on. I'm past it. I'm not dwelling on it. It's okay. Strength means physical ability. Whatever we're physically able to do, I have to ask the question myself all the time, am I putting him first in what I do? That's it. That's, it's, 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 a, it's a cutting question, though. It kind of gets to you like, oh, man, 
I guess, me doing that is not putting him first. Am I reading the Bible every day? Am I praying? Am I going to church activities? Am I helping a brother or sister out? Am I reaching out to a brother and sister in need? Uh, am I connecting? Am I witnessing to a friend? Personal evangelism. Personal evangelism is one of the best ways you could really love God with all your ability because it takes a lot of strength to be able to get some boldness and say, hey, God loves you, right? Even though it's like so, it's like five words, but it takes a lot of boldness to rise up within you to say that. Uh, Colossians 3.17, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. As a teenager, you know, just a young, young, young punk, little, little kid in a youth class, I had a tough time with this next scripture, Philippians 2, 15 through 16. I need the youth to read this one out loud. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. That means complaining. Don't complain when you clean your room. My mom loved to throw that at me. She's like, hey, do all things. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But verse 16 is the most crucial part of that, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of crooked and a perverse nation. We live in a crooked and a perverse nation. And if we do all things without murmuring and disputing, even though it's tough sometimes, even though we're putting corners that we don't like to be, as long as we're loving God and showing the love of God, whatsoever we're doing in word or deed, we're doing for the glory of God, it's going to show just a great light of who we are and who our God is. So among whom, in that perverse nation, we shine as lights of the world. You are the light of the world. The city set on a hill cannot be hid. We're supposed to show everyone the God that we serve is so great and so mighty, and he's changed our life. So we got to love our, our God with all of our strength, with whatever we're physically able to do. Now, love God with all your mind, and that's your understanding, your imagination, uh, I have big. I had big dreams and big goals when I was like five. Man, I could tell you. I I had a list and I was gonna do them all. I was gonna be a Jedi. Whew. That's a tough, tough one to do. But I was gonna do it. I was gonna be an astronaut. And like those tie hand in hand because it's in space. Astronauts in space. That's like a double whammy right there. As long as I do one, I can do the other. I was gonna be a NASCAR driver. I kind of am. I have a few speeding tickets. But do not speed. Do not speed to the youth group. They know. And then my fourth thing, I was going to work at Storage Solutions, which is where my dad worked. I was going to do it all. I'm not doing any of those things right now. Well, maybe the Jedi, but I wouldn't tell you if I was. That's how they get you. But it's okay to dream big. It's okay to have these big goals and big ambitions. The Bible says, delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, that doesn't mean like ATM machine, like if I delight myself in the Lord, he's going to give me a billion dollars. Boom, Bible. I mean, like you could. But if you delight thyself in the Lord, he's going to literally give you, I like to see as he literally gives you the desires, the very dreams that you should have. He knows the thoughts he has for us. He knows the plans that he has for us. He wants to give us the big plans and big dreams. If we put God first in our mind and our very thinking, is instead of the first thought in the day for me, is like, hey, what's Instagram looking like today? Hey, what's the Bible looking like today? Just like simple things, small little details, little tweaks that could really help us. Seek ye first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. In that passage of scripture, Jesus is talking about what clothes to wear, what you're going to eat, where you're going to go. If you put God first in your very thoughts, your very planning, he's going to help you out along the way. He's going to give you everything you need. Love God even in your wildest imaginations, and just watch how you will be blessed. 
the, the Bible says, try God. See what he's going to do with you, right? Just put a little trust in him and say, I'm, I'm just going to give you my dreams. I'm going to give you my plans. David had to give his big plans of a temple to God. And the plans of the temple became so much better than David could even do because he followed God. Put him first in your mind. So in all these areas, loving God is the strengthening agent of them all. Because he'll give you a new heart. If you want to love God with all your heart, he's going to give you a better heart to love God with. He can restore your soul. He renews strength and he even lets us have the mind of Christ. We can even have his very mind. And the crazy thing is he did this all knowing that we weren't going to love him at first. But he said, I love you enough. I'm going to do it anyways. And you're going to be able to have this thing. You're going to be able to have the love of God because I'm going to show you how to do it. So in those areas, when we put God first, we can really love God with all of our ability, with all of everything we've got. Because he loved us with everything he had. He loved us. He still loves us with everything he has. He came to earth as, as, as a human to experience all the, the, the things a human goes through. It's a tough experience, but his was even tougher, and he chose to do it. He, became, he came in the form of a man, and he endured all things. He was tried and tested in all ways, and he didn't fail because he had a plan for us because he loved us enough that he wouldn't give in to anything. And he died for us, and he rose again, and he said, you can do it too. Not that we have to you know, go on a cross ourselves, but we can crucify our mortal bodies. We can throw away our past and our old man and all the sins and all the, the death that we're associated to, and we can rise up even greater and stronger through Christ. You can do all things. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can do it all. And we can even do probably the, the toughest thing is to love your neighbor as yourself. It really is tough. Have you seen, have you seen Facebook nowadays? Have you seen... Social media, have you seen just interactions? It's tough to love people. It's tough to, it shouldn't be tough to love people. It feels like it's super easy just to say, I love you. But it's tough to just embrace them for who they are and say, I know where you are. Maybe you think you're where you're supposed to be right now. I'm not, we're not here to judge anyone, right? We're not, that's not what we're about. But we're saying God has so much greater things for you. Um, with all these improved areas in our personal life, with our heart, with our with our mind, with our soul, with our strength, we got to take it to the world. We got to say, all right, this whole world, God wants this whole world to have it too. He, he, uh, he came so that, you know, everyone who could believe on him could, right? I'm, I was trying to think of the scripture. I lost it, but it's okay. He loves us so much and he loves the whole world, right? And I believe that the Holy Spirit is the embodiment of all these areas. When you have the Holy Spirit work in your life, the Holy Spirit is God, God himself, inhabiting your mortal bodies, being with us. And he's going to help strengthen all these areas working together. And with that tool bag, we can impact the world. I was, uh, I was thinking when, when pastor asked me to, to teach, it's like, all right, the Wednesday after Pentecost Sunday. And I was thinking, like, what, what came after Pentecost? We read the story. We like to go right up to, to Acts chapter 2. I love it. I love that book. I love that chapter because it's so great. It's so powerful. It's empowering. And what happens right after Pentecost, as soon as it happens, is that it spreads immediately to the outside. It doesn't stay in where they first got it. It goes, and it stretches, and it reaches further and further and further. That was the plan Jesus had all, the, all along. Acts 1 and 8 says, "Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. The Holy Ghost can come upon you even right now in this room on a Wednesday. It comes on a Tuesday. There's no day. It's like, oh, I'm booked that day. I can't come. It comes any day of the week, any day that ends in Y, even tomorrow. It will do it. He can do it. And he wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And in Acts chapter 1, 
verse 8, he says, Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses of me both in Jerusalem and in Judea, all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. We are technically, according to that, we're in the uttermost parts of the earth. Welcome. Happy. We're so glad to have you in the uttermost parts of the earth because the Holy Ghost is moving here. We're being witnessed to. I've been witnessed to. You've been witnessed to. If you're here today, I'm sure that you have, or maybe I'm doing it right now. I'm witnessing to you in the uttermost part of the earth, praise God. And when the Holy Ghost came, they started speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, because that's what happens. It's what the Bible says. It's what's in the Bible, praise God. And immediately people heard about it. People experienced it. They said, what's going on? There was people from every nation there at the time. They heard their own language. And because it, the experience of Pentecost went past the doors, the ultimate sign of love that God gave to us is his own self, his Holy Spirit embodied in us. And as soon as we get it, we're supposed to take it to the rest of the world. We're to take it to everyone around there, around us. And so I was thinking, well, that's what happens. It goes to the streets. We take it to the streets. And last week, uh, Grant had a great lesson last week. You guys should listen to it on the podcast. It was awesome if you haven't listened to it. Uh, but on the way there to church, I was driving on uh, G-Way, and there was a bunch of people in, in rainbow rainbow capes because it was the first first uh, day of, of Pride Pride Month. And it's it's so unfortunate that I was thinking that like they don't really have a full understanding of love, and yet they're putting it more on display than I maybe have ever. Am I loving? God with all my heart. Am I loving my neighbor as myself if I don't put in that same effort? That's, that was like a, that was a hit when he was talking about, did we, when Grant was asking if we had experience with, with showing love to someone, I was like, man, that's getting me. That's right there. That's right there. The upper room power spread to the streets, and it led 3,000 people to ask, what must we do? And that must be our goal. We need to, not that it's anything that we can do, it's just the effort that we put in through the grace of God that God will provide the increase to whatever effort we put in. But it's just saying, it's just being available for God to use us to get someone to say, what do I do now? Now that my life is, is needing, know that I need a change. That, that, holy, that upper room Holy Ghost power, it spread to the streets that a lame man at the gate beautiful is able to stand for the first time ever. That's what true love is. That's what true God power is, is it's us using uh, us being empowered by God to go out into the streets, go out to the highways and the byways and to tell someone about it. Driving by the pride parades is, in my mind, if you'll go with me for a second, and not doing anything about it is like being the priest that's walking by the man who's being beaten up. Those peop there's people out there who are being beaten up by the world, and they don't even know it is the sad thing. They think they're living their best life, but what's going to happen is that the enemy who likes to steal, kill, and destroy is stealing and killing and destroying lives right now. He's stealing people, and he's leaving them for dead on the highway. And if we just keep on walking by, if I keep on walking by without saying, hey, I know a better way of love. I know that there's something more out there. I need to go out to a highway or buy. I'm not saying maybe physically go out to the highway. That could be kind of dangerous. I'm saying whatever we can do with the connections that we have where we can reach people and say, there is a better way to love for you. There is a better love out there than what you think is, is true love. There is people in the streets per, per, uh, parading rights. They're rioting. They're marching to, for a choice to end life. And we're just sitting 
not we're just sitting in church. God is blessing us. We have a great church, but what we have is more seats to fill, and we have doors that can open up to the public, and we can bring in more people. And what I'm, con- I'm connected with so many people at my work that I haven't even told about the gospel. It's just been an indict, not, you know, it's just been something God's been stirring in me that I got to go do something. I got to bring this Holy Ghost power to the streets, to outside, to somewhere beyond my reach, somewhere in my reach. The, when Peter and John were brought in for questioning, they said, these are the men that turned the world upside down. And we have that same power that can turn our city of Richland upside down, it can turn your neighborhood upside down, it can turn your schools upside down. We have that power, that same power. And that's what true love, that's what loving your neighbor is. It's making sure the people are, who are beating, being beaten up by the world right now, who are being left for dead. It's us saying, here, I'm going to put you, on, I'm gonna put you on, on my donkey, right? I'm going to pick you up in my car. I'm going to take you to church. It's about saying, hey, I'm gonna, we're going to help bind up the wounds. We're going to give you something better, something that God has for you. There are souls out there who need to know that the times of refreshing are here, and they need to save themselves from this untoward generation. It's a crazy world out there. But we have a God who knows how to conquer crazy. He can overcome it all. He says, don't be worried about what's going on in the world. I have overcome the world, and we can overcome through, here, through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors. So if I could just ask us to show some love to your neighbors. The same love that was shown to you at one time or another. I was born and raised in the church, so I've always had that love just being poured out on me. But my parents, they were not so lucky. They, but they had such a great experience of someone showing love onto them showing love to them where they could be changed forever. Show love to someone. Love your neighbors as yourself. Love your neighbors like you would want someone to love you with the gospel. Amen? Amen. Can we stand in the place? That's all we, that's all we got. That's all, that's all she wrote. All five of my pages are used up. But I'm just going to ask if we can really pray right now and let this word kind of settle in. I'm not like saying, first of all, Hear me out. I'm not saying that we're doing a bad job. No. Don't be weary and well-doing is what I'm saying. Keep on going. There's more people to reach. We've met so many people just to reach. Now we can keep on going because that's what God wants us to do. But maybe if we just in our mind think of maybe one or two people that's a neighbor to us, not maybe even your physical neighbor with, who doesn't like the cookies. Maybe it's a neighbor that you work with, a colleague, someone someone who maybe even ride the bus with that you don't really talk to, but you could talk to them. You could reach out to them with the gospel. I've already got two or three names on, on my mind right now that, we need to, that I need to at least get the conversation started with. So thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us, God, before, before we even knew how to love you, before we even knew what love was. You already had a plan in action to love us so much that you 